We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we're going to do a mailbag next. I do have some mailbag questions. I have about 15 question stars. So I'm going to get to those here before we get out of here. But uh, some good questions today. We have a super chat here from Christopher Galloway. Christopher, thank you for the super chat. He says, Coach, would you compare Jeremiah Love to a first-year Ricky Waters? Christopher, I can't I can't compare him to a first-year Ricky Waters because, honestly, I didn't see Ricky Waters as a, as a college freshman. I believe Ricky was a freshman in 87. I don't really have a great recollection of that 87 season. I can tell you what Ricky did numbers wise. He was a running back that year. He carried the ball 69 times for 373 yards, 5.4 yards per carry and three touchdowns. I could see Jeremiah Love having those kind of numbers. I could see Jeremiah Love maybe having better numbers than that. He's a very good player. I remember Ricky Moore as a receiver and punt return in 88. And then of course, as a running back in 89 and 90. There are a lot of similarities between Jeremiah Love and Ricky Waters as athletes. Jeremiah's and, and Ricky are both longer athletes. They're not, I mean, they're not like six two like Josh Adams was, but they're six foot plus, but they're long-legged, that more so than you see from a lot of running backs. They're versatile athletes. Obviously, Ricky Waters started at wide receiver. Uh, Ricky Waters had over 10,000 career rushing yards in the National Football League. And the guy started at wide receiver on the last Notre Dame football team that won a national championship because they were just so loaded at running back. That's how loaded Notre Dame was at running back back then. And obviously you had him and, and Rocket Ismail at wide receiver along with Pat Eilers and some other guys. But, I mean, sim- athletically very similar, versatile. Uh, could I see a scenario where if Notre Dame had major issues at running a receiver, they needed to move somebody there? Could I see them moving Jeremiah Love there? I could see that. I don't want to see that, but I could see that. I see Jeremiah Love being a guy that's going to make a, an impact in the pass game during his career. Didn't in the opener, but he will. Very similar, elusive, uh, more powerful than you'd think a guy that's a little more on the skinny side, a little on the skinny side would be. Uh, Great leg drive, which is also very similar to what Ricky was as an athlete. So I I see a lot of similarities, but I just can't compare them as first-year athletes because I just don't remember uh, what, what he was in his first year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got another super chat here from Raymond Hart. Raymond, thank you very much. IB Nation, thanks for all your thoughts and prayers. Everything is okay here. We continue to help where help is needed. Go Irish. Obviously, Raymond is one of those who's in the path of the hurricane, which from everything I've read, ended up not being as damaging and deadly as maybe anticipated, which is a good thing. And uh, fortunately, the state of Florida was very prepared for this. And it sounds like everybody is, uh, not everyone, obviously there's going to be some some damage and things, but everybody that's part of our IB Nation community so far has come out of it in pretty good position. So we're very happy to hear that. And thank you for your super chat, buddy. Rob Osgood with a super chat also. Rob said, I loved what I saw against Navy, but I don't know what to expect against teams like NC State, Ohio State, USC, et cetera. Can they perform against better talent? I, I, Rob, that was sort of the premise of what I discussed at the beginning of the show is there are certain areas where, where that is a question mark. There are other areas where I, I, it does translate. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we saw on Saturday is from positions that we know that we're familiar with. And when you look at what they did against NC State, you can't just dismiss it. Like there's two mistakes you can make against in a game like against Navy. Number one is to just Notre Dame's going to win the national championship because of what they did to Navy. That's an overreaction. To just dismiss it and say, well, they suck. You're well, yeah, you did what a really good team is supposed to do against an inferior opponent, and they dominated from start to finish in all phases of the game. Yeah, you had to miss field goal but your coverage units were good. Your return units had some plays in it. They did what they're supposed to do. And, and when you're a really good team, and so you would expect a really good team to be able to also play well in those other games. Now they just have to go out and do it. And we're going to find out if they can, but it's, it's fair to kind of have some reserves re- reservations. And I think Rob, where you're coming from is where I think some Notre Dame fans are coming from, which is, you liked what you saw, it got you excited, but you don't want to get too excited because you don't want to get let down again. But I'm just going to tell you, man, it's okay to be excited about what you saw because this team is is really, really good. Super chat from Connor Grant. How do you evaluate Shador Sanders? I'm If he's solid, then I think Colorado could make a bowl possibly. I don't agree with that. Look, I, I don't know what he is. I think he's an okay quarterback. He was good at the FCS level. I don't think he's super physically gifted. I think he's gifted. He has some ability. I, I don't think he's a what people make him out to be. I've seen people say, like, even one, I think ESPN had him ranked ahead of Sam Hartman as far as transfer quarterbacks. I don't see that. But he's a he's gonna be better than what they had for sure. I think you're you're man, I'll tell you what, that roster's bad. And, and even with all the transfers, it's bad, it's a bad roster, man. It is a really bad roster. 
the only way that Shador Sanders can lead them to a bowl game is if he's a stud. If he's just solid, they're not a bowl team. Then there's two reasons for that. Number one is they just don't have the talent people are making it out to be. Look, one player does not turn a team that's one and eleven into a bowl team. So you talking about Travis Hunter and all? No, no, no. It just the, people are putting way too much into that. Colorado is a bad football team, y'all. I mean, we're talking about a team last year that went one and eleven. They lost. Here's here's what the point total was in their losses. 25, 31, 42, 28, 23, 33, 8 at home to Arizona State, 39, 38, 47, and 42. That is bad. They are terrible. And just adding, you know, Cormani McClain and Travis Hunter and some of those guys is not going to make them a bowl team. It just isn't. It's going to make them maybe a three or four win team to get to a bowl game. They're going to need Shador Sanders to be a dude. If he's a dude, then sure. He, he may be able to do that and, and be, you know, you know, lead them kind of to it. But the other part of it too, that we also have to take into consideration is the fact that they play a pretty rough schedule. Like that's the other part of this is he's stepping into a situation where, Man, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to really be special, in my opinion, against the schedule. Because you look at Colorado's schedule this year, they open at TCU in the opener. Then they have Nebraska at home, Colorado State at home, at Oregon, home against USC, at Arizona State, home against Stanford, at UCLA, home against Oregon State, home against Arizona, and then they finish at Washington State and at Utah. That's a really tough schedule. There's only one non-conference game that you look at and say, that should be a gimme. But it's not a guarantee that it's going to be a gimme. It just it should be a gimme. But th- look, this is this is just not a good football team. They're a really bad football team and a, not a very talented football team. And I don't I think Shador Sanders is going to have to be a lot better than just solid if they're going to be better than Good enough to be in a in a bowl game, in my opinion. Tommy Gunn said, speaking of the Utah game, Brian, how do you think the elevation difference will affect Florida, if at all? That's an unknown, Tommy, because it affects teams differently. A lot of it has to do with how prepared are you. How prepared are you to handle it? You know, what are things that you can do from a conditioning standpoint? Do you take into that account? How deep are you? And that, to me, is where I have the biggest concerns about Florida, is their depth. I don't love their depth. And you have to have great depth playing against a team against Colorado. You know, what are your travel plans? How soon are you getting out there? I know that Florida went out there, I believe, a day earlier than expected because of the the anticipated hurricane. But, you know, that how much is that going to be enough to kind of, you know, make them uh, better prepared for that? I don't know. I really don't know, to be honest with you. That's always a bit of an unknown. Just they better have a plan for it. That's, That's what I do know. That's what I do know. Archer 452 says in 2020, Graham Mertz crushed Illinois in his first college start, going 20 of 21 for 248 yards and five touchdowns. Who will put themselves into Heisman talk in week one this year, but fade down the stretch? Boy, that's a good question. So somebody that could could come out and now, first of all, Graham Mertz should not have been in any kind of Heisman conversation because of 248 yards and five touchdowns in the opener. Like, like Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman should not be all of a sudden a Heisman 
front runner because he threw for 251 yards and four touchdowns against Navy. He should have already been in that conversation because of what he has done and the fact that he's at Notre Dame. But there will always be that overreaction. So here's a couple guys. As I look through the schedule, just some guys, I think think Joe Milton is going to light up Virginia in the opener. I think he's going to absolutely light up Virginia. And when you combine that with the preseason hype that already exists, you know, yeah, you're going to hear people talk about him as a, oh, you know, possibly being a, you know, Heisman contender and all that. I think Joe Milton is a guy, but I think he'll fade. I'm just not, I'm not a big, I'm not a big Joe Milton fan. I could see Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma lighting up Arkansas State. Uh, when you look at Oklahoma's schedule, they have Arkansas State in the opener. They have SMU in week two and then Tulsa in week three. There's a lot of chances for Dylan Gabriel to put up big numbers and then he'll fade as they get into uh, conference play. Some other guys, I think Bo Nix is already a Heisman contender. I don't think Bo Nix is going to be a Heisman contender when it's all said and done. I think he's going to have a very good season. As you all know, I like Bo Nix a lot more than most. But I think Oregon's going to take a step back this season. I think they lost some talent that's that's important. I think their schedule this year is a lot more challenging. They got to play at Texas Tech in week two. They have to play at Washington. They have to play at Utah. They have to play at Arizona, uh, Oregon State, Arizona State. They got to play USC at home. They got to play Oregon State at home, and they have to play Washington State at home. I think it's a pretty challenging schedule. They're going to still be very good, but I don't think he's going to win enough to be a Heisman contender. It's all said and done, and I don't think he's going to be able to carry the team the same way he did last year because the supporting cast around him is just not just not as good as it as as it was in this past season, in my opinion. So he, he's a guy that I could see being that conversation. I think Quinn Ewers is a guy that could come out and light up Rice and and immediately get starting to get overhyped. And then he'll probably fade a little bit out of the conversation. Those are a couple guys to me that when I when I look at them in the opener and and what they do early on could put up some big time numbers. If one of here's another one. If if one of the two quarterbacks between Jordan Travis and Jaden Daniels has a great game, they will immediately be thrust into the Heisman conversation beyond what they already are. But I don't think either one of those two guys are going to be finalists when it's all said and done. I, I just don't. It wouldn't shock me if they are, but I just I don't think that they will be. So those are some names for me for different reasons that I could see starting the season off in Heisman conversation that and but won't end that way. Justin Herwick says, uh, I keep hearing Sam Hartman isn't a top NFL prospect, QB prospect. What's the difference between him and Kirk Cousins or Brock Purdy or Geno Smith? Just asking. Well, number one, Brock Purdy was the last guy drafted in the NFL draft. Right? I mean, you got you to remember that. He was Mr. Irrelevant. And uh, you know, look, I, I know he's getting a lot of hype for what he did last year, but, you know, that's what that's he was the seventh round draft pick. Kirk Cousins was a fourth round draft pick. Uh, Geno Smith to me had a bigger arm. That's one thing that Geno Smith had. Geno Smith was a second round pick. Sam Hartman and Geno Smith are nothing alike as prospects, in my opinion. Geno Smith's a much bigger prospect, much bigger arm. I understand what you're saying about Kirk Cousins, and that's a fair comparison, but Kirk Cousins is two inches taller than Sam Hartman, and that still matters to some NFL teams. I don't think Sam Hartman has like a really cannon for an arm. I think that's the biggest thing. He's 6'1, 210 pounds, and he doesn't have a cannon for an arm. That's just the reality of it. And so just because you're a great quarterback prospect and a great quarterback in college doesn't mean you're a great quarterback prospect in the NFL. 
Because when you look at the guy, like think about some of the guys that have gotten overdrafted in recent years. Will Levis got, I would, I would take an NFL, college, high school, XFL, USFL, CFL, European football, in any level of football on the planet, I would take uh, professional or college or whatever, arena, whatever. I'd take Sam Hartman over Will Levis any day of the week. Why was Will Levis a number two draft pick? Think about this. Will Levis never threw for 2,900 yards or more in college football. Never. And everybody talks about, we well, you know Sam Hartman. I, you know, my concern with Sam Hartman is I worry, you know, he throws a few too many exceptions. Well, somebody asked me earlier about this today, and I pointed out that if, and I did the research, if Sam Hartman would have thrown a, a touch, an interception at the same rate uh, at Notre Dame, at Notre Dame this year that he did at Wake last year, but he only attempts the same number of passes that he did at Notre Dame, that Notre Dame quarterbacks passed last year. He only would throw nine interceptions and he would have 30 touchdown passes. That's pretty good. Uh, so, but then you look at Will Levis and, and what he did last year, he threw for 2,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. The year before he threw for 28, 12 to 2,812 yards, 24 touchdowns and 13 picks. That is not good. So in two years, he has thrown 43 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. Sam Hartman, the last two years, he last year he threw for 3,700 yards, 38 touchdowns, and 12 picks. And in 2021, he threw for 4,228 yards, 39 touchdowns, and 14 picks. So in 2021, when Will Levis was getting all this hype as a quarterback, he threw 13 interceptions on 353 pass attempts. Sam Hartman threw 14 interceptions on 508 pass attempts. And, and and Will Levis gets all this hype of a top 10 NFL draft pick. And then he ends up falling in the second round. I wouldn't even take him where he got taken. I, I wouldn't. And and so, but why? Why was Trey Lance picked in the top five? Why was Zach Wilson picked in the top five? Because they have big arms. The NFL is still infatuated with big arms. That's just the reality. And now that you've got Pat Mahomes and you've got Josh Allen and guys like that dominating the NFL, Matt Stafford just won a Super Bowl. What do they all have? Big arms. And that's what the NFL is looking for. So for me, I think Sam Hartman could start in the NFL. I, I, look, I, I somewhat disagree with some other people. I, I think Sam, when I watch Sam Hartman and I look at guys like Sam Howell starting the NFL, and you mentioned Brock Purdy. Yeah, I could see Sam Hartman being picked in the third or fourth round and being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I could. Uh, now, you also have to remember that 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 Sam Howell's also 24 years old. And and that kind of that factors into it as well. He he's he's older now by a year and a half almost than Sam Howell. That's I mean, Sam Howell, I think, was a, a freshman in 2019. Sam Hartman was a freshman in 2018. Sam Hartman's still in college. Sam Howell's going to his second year in the NFL. So he's a lot older, too. You have to think about that. But, yeah, I could see Sam Howell in the right – Sam Hartman in the right position being a starter. But I think most likely he's a guy that you be a tra- backup quarterback. He just doesn't have the, the elite tools that teams look for when they're trying to draft a guy for starter. And let's be honest, nobody drafted Sam Brock Purdy thinking he was going to start. If, Brock, if people thought Brock Purdy was a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, if the 49ers – thought he was a starting quarterback in the NFL. They would not have waited until the very last pick of the NFL draft to take him. That's the reality of it. And somebody said, you know, Drew Brees and, and Russell Wilson didn't have big arms either. Where were they drafted? Drew Brees was one of the most prolific quarterbacks ever, and he was drafted in the second round. Where, where was Russell Wilson drafted? 
right? Russell Wilson wasn't a first round draft pick either, right? That, that, that's the whole point. You can, and here's the other thing. He was a third round pick. Here's the other thing, Andrew, you don't point to the anomalies and say, these anomalies prove that this can be done. Of course it can be done, but it's rare. And the NFL for, since I've been alive, I'm 45 now has always put a value on big arms. That's just the reality of it. They do. That's not disputable. That's not debatable. How does Jim Druckenmiller become a first-round draft pick? How does Tom Brady fall to round six? Tom Brady played in Michigan, a lot of football in Michigan. Why? Yeah, big arm, right? But Because the question is about QB prospect. And so I could see him becoming an NFL starter, but no one's going to draft him to be an NFL starter for a host of reasons. He's older than several NFL starters right now. That's going to be factored in as well. So, But I don't care. I care what he does at Notre Dame. And at Notre Dame, he's going to be very good. Patrick Earwood says, do you guys think it's possible for all five running backs to have 200 total yards each? I would be shocked if they don't. I really would. I think the only – because if you're going to talk total yards and you're going to talk return game, then you throw Devin uh, Ford in there. Devin Ford would be the guy that I would question about maybe getting to 200 yards. He's got like 11 right now. But if you look at the stats from the first game, they're all on pace for it. I mean, they're all on pace for over 200 yards this season. Obviously, Audric Estime in the opener had uh, 95 yards. He's on pace for over 1,000 yards on the season right now. Uh, Jer- Jeremiah Love was second on the team in rushing in the game. He's on pace right now for 480 yards. Jabron Payne had 31 yards rushing. He's right now on pace for 403 yards. Engineering Price had 25 yards rushing. He's currently on pace for 300 yards rushing. So the only guy that's not on pace for that right now is Jabron Payne, who had 11 yards in the game. But even he is on pace for 132 yards. So, yeah, I could easily see all five of them doing that. I don't predict that they will because I think somebody's going to probably follow by the wayside a little bit from a touches standpoint. But, that, yeah, I would, I would, I would give them – I would say that there's definitely a chance that that happens. Coleman Smith said, would you try Don Schuler in DJ Brown spot? No, not right now. First of all, I'd start Ramon Henderson. I would give Antonio Carter the next option for that. I would give the veterans the chances to be that guy first. And then, but would I be a, would I be unwilling to try a Don if the safety positions continue to struggle? No, I wouldn't. I like a Don Schuler. I just don't know if, if that's going to come more, more questions about uh, Sam Hartman as an NFL prospect. Uh, Justin Herwick is a QB having a big arm overrated. Sam Hartman gets knocked for having, not having a big, a good arm, not a big arm. Uh, most NFL quarterbacks have good arms. Only two, maybe three have big arms in Mahomes, Allen and Stafford. Well, I think it's more than that, but look guys, you, you can point to all the different things that you want. I've said this. How many times the NFL is bad at evaluating quarterbacks. It always has. The fact is, is they're always going to evaluate and put an emphasis on big arms. You cannot like it. You can complain about it. You can ask me a million questions about it on 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 these platforms. But the fact is, is it's not going to change that that's what the NFL values. I would argue that there's more than just those guys with big arms. I would argue that Trevor Lawrence has a big arm. Uh, he Geno Smith has a big arm. There's more than just those three guys that have big arms. Uh, so I would I would just dis, first I would just disagree with that Kyler Murray has a big arm when he's healthy. Justin Fields has a big arm. There's plenty of guys with big arms in the NFL. You just pointed to three examples. Uh, there's plenty of guys with big arms, and and those guys are always going to get more opportunities 
than the other guys. You asked me about prospect. As a prospect, he's 6'1", he's 210 pounds, he's older than some NFL starters, and he does not have a big arm. You don't have to like it, but that's just the reality of the NFL. It, it's it's always going to be the reality of the NFL. It's been the reality of the NFL since I was in my 40s. And guys, he's the same age as, just, as Justin Fields. Sam Hartman's the same age as Justin Fields. So as a prospect, he's just not going to be high. And here's what I don't – I don't want to spend all season talking about Sam Hartman as an NFL prospect. I don't care. I just care that he's really good in college football. It's all I care about. But the fact is, if you look at the NFL – for my entire life, they've put a great deal of value on having a big arm in your size. You talk about Kirk Cousins. He's 6'3", right? I mean, that's just the reality. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's an anomaly. He's a seventh-round draft pick. He was the last pick in the NFL draft. And he's been hurt, right, because he's not very big. So you, we, we can say whatever we want about it, and I understand where you're coming from. I, I really do. I do understand the point you're trying to make. But you just have to understand that it's just that's what the NFL cares about. Brock Purdy, by the way, is 23. He's younger than Sam Hartman right now. And that will be looked at. That will absolutely be looked at. I just don't care what he does in the NFL. I just care that he's really good at Notre Dame. Right? Really? Yeah. What did Tony Rice do in the NFL? What Brady Quinn did in the NFL? I don't care. What Jimmy Clausen in the NFL? Nothing. Don't care. They were really good at Notre Dame. Brady was great his last two years. Tony Rice won a championship. Jimmy was brilliant his last season at Notre Dame. In the NFL, don't care. I care about what they do in in college, and I care what Sam Hartman does in college. Don't care about the other stuff. Coleman Smiths asks, "Are are they planning on moving Jack more inside this year? I would love to see Snead and Osbury can do at Rover. I, I I would imagine there'll be instances where he'll do that. Like I get you're a recruiting guy, Coleman. I understand that. And we're always looking for like that next young guy, but Jack Kaiser just had eight tackles and several pressures, like big plays and all that. Like as a Rover, let, let's not be too quick to say, let's move him away from that. Let's let the season play out. And when they do move Jack inside, it's not going to be to put Allsbury and Snead at Rover. It's going to be to go nickel and put Thomas Harper there. They're going to do a lot of nickel this year as they get into deeper into their schedule against the NC States and the Ohio States and teams like that. You're just you're just going to see more nickel than three linebacker stuff. Jaden and Jaden and Jalen's time will come. And my hope is that they're going to be in the rotation. But I don't think those guys right now, based on what we saw in the opener, should we should be talking about someone else starting. Let's let those veterans not have a great game first before we start talking about who we want to replace them with. Coleman Smith also asked also on if we see 21 personnel this week, a 21 formation with Audric and JP or Jeremiah Love is scary. Possibly. I, I've said this before. I would I would love to see actually 20 personnel as well. I'd love I'd love to see that. But 21 personnel lets you get some really interesting blocking angles to let you get an extra hat on one of the sides with your tight end. So we could see that. We could see 20 personnel. I'd love to see that. W- will it be something they use this weekend? Maybe. I don't know that it's necessarily needed this weekend unless you just want to get some practice at it. If I was going to use it, I would rather see it be used against NC State where I think it could be even more effective. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, asks, uh, "Are you more excited to see uh, who are you more excited to see play whenever they may be Devin Houston or Brendan Vernon, and why?" Thank you, sir, for all your hard work. Well, for me, Josh, I don't really care. Uh, I I would say as far as like between the two, I'm excited to see both of them play. I will say this, however, 
I I believe if I had to pick which one would I hope to see step like be ready sooner, I would say that I hope Brennan Vernon is ready sooner. And the reason I say that is because when I look at D tackle, they've got a pretty deep D tackle rotation. If Devin Houston helps out this year, it's a bonus. It's like mm, you know, like a cherry on top. The big end rotation is a little shakier. It's Nana, it's Javante, and then I don't know what's after that. If Brennan Vernon kind of figures it out quickly and the light goes on, he can help you right now physically and, and provides a lot of depth. And there's no guarantee that that either not – I mean, Javante can't come back next year. It's not a guarantee that Nana will come back for a sixth year next year. So now you're looking like who's going to be at the big end. You're going to need – one of those freshmen to step up. And to me, Brennan Vernon would be the one that could have the biggest impact there. Six, five, you know, two sixty, good athlete, long arm, strong, physical. He just doesn't know what he's doing yet. And once he figures it out, he's going to have a chance to be a pretty good football player. In my opinion, Josh Buffalo also asks about Adon Schuler. Is there a chance we see Adon Schuler play safety this season with the continuous struggles of DJ Brown? Again, y'all are like bypassing like a lot of guys already on the roster, like that aren't freshmen, Thomas Harper, could be that guy. Obviously, Antonio Carter was brought in to play this position. Ramon Henderson was was obviously still on the, the roster. So we don't need to like automatically jump to freshmen. But I will say this, ben, ben, Adon Schuler and Ben Minnick are guys that if the veterans don't play better, they need to look at some of those young guys because they are talented players, in my opinion. Sean Higgins asks, is, has there been any update on potentially getting Justin Scott or Caleb Beasley on campus for a game? Also, is Kingston Villama Asa expected to visit for a game? I don't know about Kingston. I know that's a little bit challenging with the way that their schedule is. They have some weekend games and Friday night games. It may be tough for him to get on campus this season. I know they're going to try to get him on campus for either Ohio State or or USC, but I, I, don't, I don't know that he's going to be able to make those two games. We can get Ryan to, to look into that. I'm just not sure if that's necessary in the plans. I mean, Kingston's the kind of kid, he's really focused on his team in his season. But I would imagine they was going to try. They're still trying both of those guys. Whether or not they're going to actually visit for Ohio State, like they both said that they would in the past. Justin has said in the past he was going to visit Ohio State. Caleb Bingsley has, Beasley said he was going to visit for the Ohio State game. Will they actually do it? Remains to be seen. But I definitely know that Notre Dame is trying, still trying to get both of those guys on campus. Then the last question is, uh, I saw an Ohio State board earlier talking about how modern day would have beaten up on Navy if they played Navy. What's your opinion on that, Brian? Man, look, I mean, you put LOLs. So I know that you're kind of joking, but it's an Ohio State fan. You're trying to have a rational football conversation with a Ohio State fan. And there are some, but I grew up in the state. There aren't many, and there definitely aren't many on message boards and social media. This is the same fan base that wants to fire Ryan Day if he loses to Ohio State again, right? Like, you know, I just don't care what Ohio State fans. There's one. There's only like one Ohio State fan whose opinion I care about on social media. That's Archer because he's actually somewhat reasonable. So I just, man, I just don't care about that stuff. I, I really don't. Um, it, it's nonsense, first of all. They would not be able to beat Navy. It's the same thing with people like, oh, Alabama could beat the so-and-so NFL team. No, they wouldn't. The The best college football team would get smashed by the worst NFL team. That's just a fact. And people say stupid stuff like that all the time, especially Ohio State fans. Like, Ohio State fans say things sometimes that make Michigan fans blush. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just kind of how it is. But um, I don't, I don't, that's, that's how I don't waste time on that site. Like, you shouldn't either, honestly. I, I just, I just don't care what they say. And they don't care what I say, which is fine as well. I don't. We'll find out. We'll find out uh, here in about four weeks. But right now, 
I'm just curious to see what Notre Dame's going to do this weekend against um, against Tennessee State, and then I'm I'm a little bit more worried about NC State right now than I am Ohio State. Ohio State, that time will come, and we'll find out. Because here's the thing: if Notre Dame, you know, beats uh, Ohio State, then you know a lot of that stuff gets shut up. If Notre Dame doesn't beat Ohio State, then they're just going to keep yapping, and that's just the reality of it. So that's what that's what's on the that's what's at stake for Notre Dame at this point in time. So anyway, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so much. Enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the message board today. Some really good questions, and and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the the talk about Notre Dame and and the discussion about this weekend's games. I'm so excited to have college football like fully back this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Really excited to see them uh, be fully back this weekend. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. But I uh, hope you all have a great rest of your day. If you're in Florida, continue to stay safe. Hope you all are being taken care of and everything down there. We'll be back tonight. Actually, IB Nation Sports Talk will be going live in about an hour and a half. And then I'll be back tomorrow. Ryan and I will do our keys to victory and our predictions for Notre Dame. And uh, you never know. We may throw in some other predictions for big games tomorrow. We'll have to see about that. But uh We'll definitely be back 1 o'clock tomorrow for our Notre Dame predictions for sure. And then Friday we'll have our mailbag and then post-game show on Saturday once the game is over. So lots and lots of content still left for y'all. Lots of content on the message board or on the website. Got some really good detailed breakdowns on the message board. Uh, broke down the entire pass game by route, by receiver, by drop back, by you know run game, by personnel grouping, left, right, efficiency, all that good stuff. But that's only for the message board. And then I posted my defensive breakdown last night. So if you're not on the message board, that's the kind of stuff you're going to be missing out on. And I'm going to try to have a film breakdown for tomorrow, uh, looking back at the Navy game as well on the message board only. So you're definitely going to check that out. So anyway, uh, again, boards.arsbreakdown.com. Y'all are missing out if you're not on it. Hit that like, folks. Hit the subscribe button, notification bell, so you can know when we're going to do a show. If you're listening via podcast flat platform, would love a five-star review. Would love that very, very much. And, uh, of course, have a great day, and thank you all so much for being part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast.